Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Daniel Robison from WFIU today. And we're going to talk about Indiana's alcoholic beverage laws and some proposed changes to them. We have four guests with us in the studio. That's a lot of guests. We have four of them here. Indiana Association of Beverage Retailers Chairman and President and CEO of United Package Liquors, Brad Ryder, is here with us today. Also, uh, Javad Nuri who is the owner of Sahara Mart, uh, which has a vast wine and beer selection, I might <laughs> add. Indiana Beverage Alliance President Mark Carmichael is here, and Butler Winery owner Jim Butler is here with us today. You can join the program by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, and you can also join the discussion at our website, wfiu.org slash noon, noon edition. Um, thanks for everybody being here. I'm going to go to Mark Carmichael first. And I do have to say that Mary Catherine is not joining us today because she's uh, married to Mark. So uh, we wouldn't. <laughs> yes. Uh, in Bloomington, I'm known as Mr. Mary Catherine Carmichael. <laughs> so we, we wouldn't let her interview him. That could have been ugly. Uh, so uh, Mark, I wanted to uh, ask you to sort of give us a rundown of, of what bills there are in the General Assembly and uh, what chances they might have. Well, thanks, uh, Bob. It's, it's great to be here. Um, there were several bills filed, but as we are at the midway point uh, right now in the session, there's only three left. Uh, this comes kind of at the end of a comprehensive uh, two-year study during the summer of alcoholic beverage issues. We do that every so often in Indiana when issues become contentious or when they become complicated. Uh, the legislature will take a break from uh, having bills during the session and study alcohol issues and uh, usually fills a rather large room. Um, off and on all summer, and we've, we've just come off a two-year study uh, of alcohol issues in Indiana. Um, the re, uh, two of the bills are results of that summer study committee. Uh, Senate Bill 118 is still alive. Uh, it's passed the Senate and is now over in the House, and that would allow for regular sales of alcohol on election days. Uh, election day has been set aside in Indiana uh, since we came out of prohibition. So it's been 75 years uh, since we could have uh, regular alcohol sales on Election Day. Uh, Senate Bill 119 is an extension of the Sunday closing times. Uh, right now, uh, permits have to close in Indiana at 12.30 a.m. on Sunday. All other days of the week, that's 3 a.m. And so this would simply extend the Sunday closing times to 3 a.m., uh, putting them at the same time with the other days. And then Senate Bill 120 has passed the Senate and is in the House, and that would allow our brew pubs in Indiana uh, to sell for carryout on Sundays. Uh, limited quantities, but they could sell for carryout uh, on Sunday, as our Indiana wineries can now. So those are the only three alcohol bills that survived the first half of the session. Everything in the House died. Um, now, Having said that, whenever there's an alcohol bill alive, there's hope for those who aren't included in it. So uh, for the next couple of weeks, everyone who cares about alcohol issues will be keeping their eyes on 118, 119, and 120 uh, to see if anything changes, if there's any amendments added. Um, but those are the only three games in town right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the legislature, the way it works, it seems – as if uh, nothing's ever really dead. I mean, things can be resurrected in one form or another. But. Yeah, if your if your language passes the House in the first half of the session, or if it passes the Senate in the in the first half of the session, then technically your issue is alive until signy die. Mm -hmm. um, on occasion, issues get added in the second half of the session. 
a little more rare but not unheard of, and especially in alcohol where it's um, anything's possible at any time. I just want to clarify about the uh, election days. Uh, no alcohol can be sold. Javad, could you sell alcohol in your store? No, no, we are not allowed to. Okay, so it's carry yeah. out as well as in, in the bars. From 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on election day, no alcohol sales at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Daniel, go ahead. So in the bills that you mentioned, uh, you didn't mention the Sunday sale of alcohol uh, from stores. How come that uh, didn't gain traction uh, this session? It was heard in the summer study committee at the end of the testimony on uh, on that day. A vote was taken among the committee members and the issue did not pass. Um, I can't remember the vote. I want to say it was something like seven in favor and 11 against, if I remember well, right. Yeah, it, it was, was a rather it, large committee. Right. It was 11-0, but it was how uh, Representative Van Haften worded it. Oh, um, okay. So that wasn't that wasn't cold beer. What eleven zero? No, cold beer also failed eleven zero. Okay, well. all right. So they were voted on in the summer study committee, mm-hmm. did not pass, and so consequently were not introduced as a bill this session. Now, um, Mark, you and Brad were. Uh, opposed to that bill. And Javad, you were in favor of it, correct? I'm in favor, yes. And explain why you're in favor of that bill. Well, simply, we opened the store and we are ready to sell. Customers come in, look at the wine, look at the beer, and choose whatever they like from varieties that we have. Like we have 1,300 kinds of beer on the premises. People come in and see it and want to buy it. And when they bring it to the register, we say, well, sorry, we can't sell it on Sunday. And they get upset and they get disappointed. And a lot of customers we have who get really disappointed are from other cities and other towns and other states in some cases. And they come here to visit their families and then they come to see our store because we are famous for having a lot of beer and wine. And when they can't buy it, it's a really big disappointment. And mm-hmm. They have to arrange another trip to come back, and I don't know if that could happen or not. So for a variety of reasons, I like to see that we can sell beer and wine on Sundays. Mm-hmm. We are there. Economically, we lose. Our lowest sale is on Sunday, and I know it's because we cannot sell beer and wine. And uh, the rent is there, the electricity, all the bills, the staff is there. But lack of uh, ability to sell beer and wine, it hurts us. And mm-hmm. there, aren't, there are a lot of grocery stores who want to see this happen, hopefully. And Brad, why, why does your organization oppose it? Well, we, we oppose it for a couple of different reasons. One's a public policy uh, position. Another one's an, an economic position. Um, un, unlike uh, grocery stores, we are, we are limited to 10 items by law. A package stores can only carry beer, liquor, wine, and six different types of miscellaneous products. Um, that's all we have for our survival. Ninety-five percent of our sales are in alcohol. And so for me to open up on a Sunday and spread six days worth of sales over seven, it's going to be cost prohibitive. Um, unlike grocery stores, we cannot carry bread, milk. Um, we don't have tire, tire changing facilities, oil changing facilities. We can't carry electronics. We don't have items to help us survive on Sunday. Uh, not a single grocery store will go out of business because they can't sell alcohol on Sunday. You, you, Mom and Paul liquor stores will go out of business because they can't sell on Sunday. Well, then there's the public policy issue of it. Do we really want to expand Sunday sales and uh, accessibility to minors? Um, do we want to uh, increase social costs? Because when you expand alcohol sales, social costs are going to go up. It's, it's, it's in- inevitable. Um, to expand Sunday sales, um, I don't think you're going to get the positive. The uh, the, the negative is going to outweigh the positive in this. Uh, there's there's it's just inevitable. Um, states that have opened up on Sundays, yes, they've seen an increase in sales, total alcohol sales across every retailer, whether it be grocery or package stores. Um, as a consumer. That's great. You get to go in and buy alcohol for the responsible consumer. But how about, how about the irresponsible consumer? Do we really as a society want to expand alcohol sales, especially in Indiana for 75 years? And actually, I, and Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think alcohol sales on Sunday has been prohibited all the way back to 1816 when we became a state. Um, do we really want to 
take a product that is not your typical everyday product mm -hmm. and expand it when everybody knows in Indiana they can already get it on Saturday. Javad, you want to respond? Then I want to go to Jim for another question, but go ahead. Um, economic reasons are something, and if the liquor stores don't want to open on Sunday, they're welcome not to open on Sunday, go sleep and fishing. But this has nothing to do with social responsibility or miners. Miners are there every day. They can buy it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, even Saturday evening. They can buy it and drink it Sunday morning. That's at the personal level, and I don't want to interfere with personal decision of people. And I don't think that that would change anything in social life or behavior or moral or ethical. That really, we pull it in, but it doesn't match. It just doesn't fit there. People are responsible. They don't drink it. If they don't want to drink it, it's fine. If they want to drink it, fine. They can buy it from my store or the other store any day. Of Sunday is just one day like the other day. Sun comes out, it's bright, and <laughs> nothing changes really. We just put all these restrictions for sale for no reason. All right. Our phone numbers are 855-0811-877-285-9348. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is our website if you want to send us an email or a comment of any kind. And uh, we're talking about alcohol laws, the uh, Indiana's alcoholic beverage laws and some of the bills that have been proposed to change them. I'll, Daniel, I'll get back to you in a second, but I do want to go to Jim because we haven't had him on the air yet. And you have the opportunity to sell your product on Sunday. What difference has that made for, for you at um, Butler Winery? Indiana wineries have had the privilege of selling carryout on Sunday since 1981. The law was passed through the uh, legislature with, when Frank O'Bannon was there, and he was a big supporter and promoter of the Indiana wine industry. And uh, probably at that time, and, and it's still true that sometimes 75 percent of wineries' retail sales occur on the weekends. And it was promoted to promote tourism and agriculture. And it's really been one of the underpinning things that's allowed the Indiana wine industry to grow. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, the, there is a bill uh, pending about doing the same thing for the Indiana breweries. Are you in support of that bill? Or, or? Um, I would say we support it. We're not against it. We take a neutral position. It's not going to affect our sales. And the wineries in general, our approach has been more towards a free market and less protectionism. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Brad, I want to get back to something you said, but, but first I want to ask uh, Jim a quick question. Uh, because you're the only game in town, really, I, I was there on a Sunday one time, and a lot of people came in while I was there tasting just to buy bottles of wine because it was a Sunday. Do you find a lot of people come in on Sunday just because legally you are the only place they can? Um, well, Oliver Winery is also here in Bloomington. We can't forget them. <laughs> um, we see a little bit of that, but I find that most people can plan a day ahead. Um, mm -hmm. It's not that difficult. You can buy on Saturday for Sunday if you want to. Mm -hmm. So we see a little bit, but it's not a big driving part of the Sunday sales necessarily. Mm -hmm. Might be an excursion, though, for mm -hmm. some people. And really, we have the tasting room downtown Bloomington. We see more of the Sunday sales of that type there, but the vineyard's really more of a destination. Mm -hmm. Well, Brad, I wanted to, to get back to something you said, uh, and for, forgive me if I'm wrong, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but the argument that you seem to be making uh, – seems to be one of protecting an industry rather than uh, thinking about maybe consumer desires. Uh, it seems like you're arguing from a position of the package stores don't want it because it would hurt their business. Well, yeah, it'll hurt our business. As I said, you know, 95 percent of my sales are in alcohol. I don't have anything else to protect myself um, uh, when it comes to uh, consumers coming in on Sunday. Grocery stores, that's their second, second biggest day of the week. Mm -hmm. They've they've been they have not been shy about telling people that's their second biggest day of the week. So I am going to lose sales to Sunday. Mm -hmm. and, and and Jim, back to your point, um, if package stores, grocery stores were allowed to sell alcohol on Sunday, I, I'm afraid you and if the breweries get their way, will probably lose business on Sunday. So I would think to some degree. Um, well, we look at it. If we have a good product and have a good service, uh, we'll make the sales. We're not dependent upon. You know, protective legislation right. per se. But so. as you're well aware, I sell your product as well. And uh, if consumers want your product now available on Sunday, if if I'm worse, if the legislature was so inclined to to tell us to open up, you know, they could come to my store and buy your your your, your wine. 
That's um, fine with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me too. <laughs> um, uh, oh, go ahead. Um, but uh, back to the point of, of protecting an industry. You, you as a consumer, I'm assuming I'm assuming you – do you go into package stores? Sure. Okay. And I'm, you like the selection and you like the service? Mm-hmm. If package stores were to start to go away because they just can't compete on Sunday, you're going to lose that selection. You're going to lose that service. Uh, you're not going to have a specialty grocery store uh, on every street corner. You're going to have your Walmarts, your Myers, you're going to have your Kroger's, and they do not carry the selection that we do, and they're never going to. Mm-hmm. I, I oppose this <laughs> point because we have started – our beer and wine uh, sales few years ago, like five years ago. Uh, we have liquor store in town for 30 years. At this moment that I'm talking to you, we have way more selection and bigger selection and better selection than liquor store in town. And I don't want to mention the name. So the selection is there and people have to have choice and we have to give them this freedom. I'm for freedom of the Consumers, they should be able to buy whatever they want anytime they want. They have the money, they have the time, they make the effort to go to the store. Why should we tell them that, no, you cannot buy it, you cannot come to the store? There's no reason for this. Mm-hmm. It has to be total freedom. Well, and as uh, Mark said earlier, apparently, that's not going to happen this year. Apparently not, anyway. Hopefully next year. <laughs> no, but I do think, and I think Brad would probably admit it, that, you know, I think that Sunday carryout will happen eventually. I mean, it's it's just one of those things that continues to gather momentum. Um, Mr. Norrie's store has a huge selection of beer and wines, but he doesn't have a huge selection of liquors and liqueurs that you find in liquor stores. And so um, I think that we need to realize we have a real treasure in our liquor store industry in Indiana. I mean, if you travel around the country, when you see cold beer sold in convenience stores and grocery stores, you don't see liquor stores. They can't survive. And so um, cold beer is very important to keep our liquor store industry uh, at the level it's at now. Sunday sales helps them stay viable. uh, But I do think that public opinion is starting to swing. Legislators respond to public opinion. And I think that the next barrier that will drop – will be Sunday carryout. Uh, so the legislature's spent the last two years studying the issue and talking about it, and you just said that uh, you think Sunday carryout sales will happen eventually. So why didn't it happen after the end of two years of, of studying and talking about it? Well, I think that the liquor stores have made a good argument about the fact that we're limited, they're limited in what they can sell. They're open six days a week now. Their customers are used to that. If they open seven days a week, they're not going to sell enough extra product on Sunday to make up for the extra cost. And so they're going to lose a little money. How much they're going to lose will vary from store to store. But they're going to not be able to sell enough on Sunday to cover the additional costs of being open another day. But if it gets passed eventually, is that argument going to run out of steam? It will. I think it'll happen eventually, and I think that we'll lose some liquor stores in the process. The small mom and pop stores, where the where the owner works the store, and he and his wife work the store, or she and her husband work the store. Uh, the larger chains, Big Red Liquors, will just keep right on chugging along. But the smaller, we'll lose small liquor stores, and that's just a public that's a public policy decision that legislators have to make every day is that we have to choose between two groups of people what's the best public policy. To date, they've decided that Sunday carryout is not an overwhelming desire to counterbalance the fact that we're going to lose some small Indiana businesses if we do that. You think we'll see Sunday carryout before we see cars being sold on Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) I don't. You don't have to answer that. I hope so. Now I'm out of my element. All right. We've got a phone call, so let's go to the phones, and Don is on the line. Don? Hi there. I've listened to the arguments about, um, well, really on both sides, and no matter how you slice it, the the argument being made is the protection of an industry. The comment that uh, was made, well, if we allow package sales uh, in grocery stores and such, that we'll lose the liquor stores. The point, if that's right, 
that means the public, with its pocketbook, is voting for one kind of product over another. <clears throat> Excuse me. The legislature has no business protecting any particular form of what we want. Um, the public decides. That's how the market works. Okay. Thank you, Don. Any reaction to that, Brad? Well, okay. Let's let's talk about. Okay, we're talking about a, a consumer product that is, in all intents and purposes, can be dangerous if not consumed properly, responsibly. We can go. We can go to New Mexico and and look at their ten year study they had from ninety five to two thousand five when they opened up on Sundays. Alcohol related fatalities alone on Sunday went up forty two percent. I just I don't think that that is a social cost that we as 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 taxpayers want to bear. Uh, it's just consumers don't. I understand. I mean, I I'm just like anybody else. I. I I will drink alcohol. I love alcohol. I've been in the industry for 20 years. But I also respect it and I also understand that if you don't treat it properly, people are going to get hurt. No way. <laughs> First of all, I don't know who has done this research that uh, our friend Brad mentions. It, and I don't know who is behind this research. Any kind of research can – even uh, – especially that's done in Mexico – if it's done here in Indiana, yeah, that's we New know, Mexico. New Mexico. If it's done here, and we know who has done it, and with what purpose and what question, that's something. Plus, f- uh, casualties, accidents could happen any day. People can drink any time. There's no difference between Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or any other day. All right, I want to switch to another topic. Uh, one that was really hot a couple of years ago, and that's wine sales through the. Through the mail, I guess. The shipping uh, issue. The shipping issue. Can you sort of – Jim, can you outline that issue for us? Um, it goes back to the Granholm decision in Michigan where uh, the Supreme Court decided that states could not discriminate between wineries within their borders and those outside of their borders. So that really threw it to the states to bring their laws into conformity with that decision. So um, Indiana – decided it, it went through quite a convoluted process and Mark was there and a lot of us were there. And what happened was the uh, the Indiana wineries, when the small winery bill was passed in 1971, allowed wineries to be the producer, the wholesaler, and the retailer all rolled into one. And that was a real exception to the three-tiered system. <clears throat> the wine industry was small and growing slowly, so it didn't really have any impact. When this decision came along – it um, it kind of left the wineries in a vulnerable position because if the state allowed us to ship, then it had to allow wineries from outside of the state to ship. And you're starting to get this, uh, what the wholesalers were concerned, was a breakdown of the three-tiered system. So this was the crack in the system. Mm-hmm. And the wholesalers brought their powers to bear, and the Indiana wineries lost the, you know, Mark sitting here. <laughs> we sat across the table for one whole day and... <laughs> Pretty much got nowhere, but uh, <laughs> welcome to my life. Yeah, <laughs> you can have that. Um, but what happened was the Indiana wineries lost the ability to sell directly to retailers, and then we lost the ability uh, to ship the way it had been done before. Uh, so now we have what's called face to face, one of two states in the country, I believe. I can ship to you as a resident of Indiana if you come to my winery, sign a card that has various statements on it. Um, Overall, that system has not been very productive for the wineries. Um, uh, we're trying to get a, uh, a third-party verification system put in that's being used in some of the states now. What could you do prior to that Michigan decision? Um, we could ship to individuals. Uh, we could sell directly to Big Red Liquor. We can't now. So those are the, the two main things that happen. So, uh, Mark, we uh, Jim mentioned the three-tiered system, and I know that's, uh, that's something that is alive and well in Indiana. It's, it's what the alcohol laws are based on and to a great extent. But my guess is people that go into Brad's store or go into Jim's winery don't really understand what the three-tiered system is. So could you explain that? Prior to prohibition, suppliers, which were mainly breweries and distilleries, sold directly to retail. And there were a lot of abuses in that system. A lot of deals were cut under the table uh, a lot of large retailers benefited and a lot of small retailers were ignored. 
And uh, it just led to an ever-escalating sale of alcohol as the suppliers and the retailers dealing directly tried to see how much alcohol they could manufacture and sell. And it led to a lot of problems in society and eventually led to prohibition. Coming out of prohibition, uh, most states adopted what was then uh, just an experiment, and that is, well, let's put a middle tier a wholesaler tier in the middle of this transaction and keep the suppliers and the retailers separated at arm's length from each other. We'll put this middle tier in that we can regulate as a state because you have suppliers from around the world and then you have about 11,000 retailers in Indiana, two groups that are almost impossible to regulate from a from the Alcohol and Tobacco Commission's perspective. But then you have a much smaller number of wholesalers in the middle that can actually be watched and regulated. And so the wholesalers become part of the regulatory process. And so that's the three-tiered system where the supplier sells to the wholesaler and the wholesaler sells to the retailer. And really, the wholesalers were created out of thin air to prevent the abuses that took place prior to prohibition when suppliers were selling directly to retail. Now, imagine what life would be like if Anheuser-Busch was selling directly to Walmart. These two guys wouldn't be sitting here. You know, the little retailer will get completely wiped out of that equation. The wholesaler levels the playing field. We have to sell to Sahara Mart at the same price that we sell to Brad or to Big Red Liquors. And so we make it possible for a wide range of small retailers to buy this product at the same price that the large retailers can. Okay. Thanks. That's a very clear explanation. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We're going to go to a break. We have a phone call, but we're going to wait till after the break to take our phone call. Uh, we're talking about Indiana's alcoholic beverage laws today with uh, four representatives of uh, the alcohol industry in one way or another. Uh, you can join us by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to wfiu.org slash noon edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone, information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. We're talking about alcohol today, so it's been a lively program for the first half of the show. We have four guests, Daniel Robinson and I, four guests in the studio, uh, Indiana Association of Beverage Retailers Chairman Brad Ryder, owner of Sahara Mart, Javad Nouri, Indiana Beverage Alliance President Mark Carmichael and Butler Winery owner Jim Butler. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send us an email or comment uh, org slash noon edition. And we have uh, Steve who's patiently waiting on the phone. Steve? Yeah, I, just a couple points really quickly. First of all, um, for 30 years we've the whole country's uh, experienced a kind of ideology that says free markets all the time, and I wish from now on we could have the equivalent of audio quotation marks around free every time it's used, because it seems to be a term that it, it sounds really good, but it, we, as we know there's no free markets. The other thing is the notion that or the one local retailer says that every day of the week is the same is, is foolish. I mean, obviously, we all live in a place with traditions, and this one I suspect has a religious root to it, 
And that gets to my real point. Um, the roundtable that you have right there all have financial interests. It's all one form of capitalism versus another. It's all financial stakes. There is not a single person on there who is speaking to the social uh, costs of alcohol on Sundays and the roots of the, the law, I assume. I, I don't think this was probably originally a day set aside for capitalism or non-capitalism. I think it had some sort of religious root, and I would wonder if anybody there is equipped to talk about the sort of cultural religious roots behind the day and what it will mean if that's lost. Uh, two things. One is I think Brad has talked a little bit about the social costs of alcohol. Um, two is we really rely uh, sometimes on people like you. We love the, to have calls from people like you when we have – we can't represent every point of view on the panel. So we're really glad that you called. I know Mark seems to be looking um, – <clears throat> Mark has actually written a history of the – of alcoholic – uh, alcohol and politics in Indiana, and so he's he may have an answer about the uh, religious background. Well, I do think it was it's it's an old blue law, that's for sure. But coming out of prohibition, the 1935 Act had things in it like that, that we were have no permits within 200 feet of a church. Um, all patrons had to be seated to be served. Uh, you had to be able to see clearly into drinking establishments. You had to have windows or doors that could be seen through. Um, all permits were to be closed, completely closed, on all Sundays, on Christmas Day, on all election days. Uh, with a drafting mistake, they included New Year's Day, which they didn't mean to do, but it got thrown in there too. And then coming out of the war in 1945, the Republican-controlled legislature added Memorial Day. The thing you've got to remember is that Indiana has always leaned to a dry prohibition position. Um, in 1856, there were like 11 states that had already adopted prohibition, uh, and Indiana was one of them. So we have a very conservative, dry approach to alcohol in this state, and uh, one of the remaining laws on the books, which is obviously has been difficult for those who don't like it to get rid of, is Sunday carryout. Um, but they have to remember that you know Indiana is a conservative state, and it. It extends to our alcohol laws, and they are fairly conservative alcohol laws, uh, much to the consternation of people who'd like to loosen them up a little bit. Could I throw in one other thing? Sure, sure. go ahead. On almost every level, I am not conservative, not conservative religiously, politically, or anything else. But I find myself, um, like other people who were born, for example, before we had casinos, I, I, I drink. Yesterday was my birthday. We had wine on my birthday. I, I Though it's a conservative state, I guess this is where I actually join hands with some of my conservative friends, and I've not heard any compelling reasons to liberalize the alcohol laws at all. And, and I had wine yesterday. I, so, you know, 50 years of the state, and it, you, you use words like blue laws, which of course are loaded because they make them sound prudish or puritanical, but I guess until I hear some stronger arguments, I would say status quo. I would say that there's a great study out. The United Kingdom decided several years ago to uh, deregulate their alcohol laws, and they have had a horrible experience. Um, they have uh, drunkenness, uh, rampant drunkenness. They have alcohol now available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have price wars going on with their large retailers um, selling at below cost. It is so bad now that they have to set up field hospitals in the streets on the weekends to handle the, the public drunkenness. So I kind of agree with Steve that, you know, we've got a public policy debate going on here. We are selling a product that can cause problems if you try and see how much of it you can sell and how cheaply you can sell it. So that's why... Sunday carryout still remains an obstacle. You know, it didn't seem like much, but in a state as conservative as ours, it's turning out to be quite a stumbling block. There's a story on this radio station this morning about uh, about England and the fact they've got these new mugs that don't break. They don't break. That's right. right. <laughs> they've had to come up with glassware that doesn't break. That can't become a weapon. <laughs> okay, Steve, thanks a lot for the call. Our phone number is again 855-0811-877-285-9348. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is the website. I wanted to get back to something that uh, Steve brought up. He used the, the term social cost. And uh, all of you, uh, most of you sell alcohol. And uh, arguing for the sale of the product that you sell, 
on a Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday and saying that the social cost of that is okay but arguing against the social cost on another day just seems kind of incompatible. If there's a social cost, isn't it the same six other days of the week than it would be on the seventh day of the week? It's the same product. It's the same product. Let me let me go back about uh, twenty years when I first started in this industry, and I was I was a store clerk. I actually had a customer come up to me. He was an alcoholic, and he thanked us for not being open on Sunday. Um, this individual eventually did die from alcoholism, but he probably would have died a lot sooner if we were open on Sundays. <laughs> but he could have gone to a bar. That's not true. This this guy wasn't going to a bar. It's just a claim. I mean, you say things. Uh, this is uh, something that uh, I have to mention that most of us or all of us do this, that to support our reason, we grab anything that, you know, comes to us and we can do that, especially religion and politics. Everybody, to prove their point, they grab the religion to support them. And that is really not true. Uh, Everybody can drink. Everybody can be religious. As Steve mentioned, that he had drink yesterday. And happy birthday to you, Steve. And at the same time, they bring this excuse that Sunday, this Sunday has become, you know, something to scare people that, wow, if you open it on Sunday, everybody will die. Everybody will get drunk. People can get drunk on any day. It has nothing to do with the day. It has nothing to do with the month. It has nothing, nothing to do with the year. This is calendar. This is a person who has desire, who has will, who has decision to make. It has nothing to do with the day or the morning or the afternoon or the evening or the year or the sun or the moon. We just make excuses. These are all excuses that really has nothing to do with the real thing. All right. We have two phone calls. So let's get to the phones and Andy. Andy? Hi. Uh, this is more of a just informational question than anything else. I've I've noticed when uh, between uh, Indiana and Kentucky, when when I first moved down here, and uh, uh, when I my wife is originally from uh, from Kentucky, and we had noticed that there were uh, dry counties and uh, and and regular counties, and uh, my first part of the question is. Do we still have some of those in Indiana? And secondly, what, what's the difference between the laws that uh, govern Kentucky and the laws that govern Indiana at this point and, and why that still exists? Uh, seems to me kind of confusing when you go from county to county basis as far as, you know, well, this one sells alcohol, this one does not. Um, um, more or less, it, 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 it's just kind of a curiosity to me because I don't drink, but uh, but it's just kind of confusing from one to the other, and, and I don't really see the purpose in that kind of a thing. So uh, I'll just uh, listen to your comments. Thank you. Uh, Jim, Jim Butler. Um, at the end of Prohibition, the federal government said we'll control production and the states will control the sales of alcoholic beverages, and that's why each state's different, and each state set up its own laws. Um, Mark mentioned that in Indiana, you had to have a window into a tavern. And the idea is people walking by, they can look in and people inside will behave better. Other states, it was illegal. Um, they didn't want the people inside corrupting the people walking by looking through the window. So you can argue these things Interpretation. Both ways. Yeah. Right. But each state has its own laws. And so when you travel around, you'll find things that seem very peculiar to you. But, you know, there's underlying reasons. I always tell people – we don't have drive-by shootings for Budweiser territory anymore. We, you send your lobbyists to the state house, and they do it. So, and that's and the alcoholic beverage laws are probably the most arcane section of the Indiana Code. The laws were passed at the end of Prohibition, and they've never been totally redone. It's just one little band-aid put on top, and we've built up this very convoluted system. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to the phones. June is next. June. I have a comment about um, Britain. I know that they are having problems <clears throat> with alcoholism, but I lived on the continent, the European continent, for 14 years and saw very little public drunkenness there, and I would say that it's a cultural thing. I did see it in Poland, um, but that the Poles then told me the Russians liked to keep them drunk because they couldn't rebel. This was back before... 
um, solidarity. Um, but I think it's a cultural thing, and uh, where alcohol is dealt with uh, as a family drink, etc., as wine with mealtimes, there's no problem whatsoever, and it is available all the time in uh, Europe. That's all I had to say. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, June. Jim, did you? Um, I think I pretty much completely agree with that. Um, I think the northern European countries historically didn't grow grapes. Um, they had – when distilling came in, it really took a heavy toll on people. Uh, the gin in England uh, several hundred years ago was a big problem. But the northern European countries tend more towards this beer, uh, binge drinking as we might call it now. And the southern Europe, with, it's a little different culturally. It's, it's more accepted in the society. It's really looked at more as a food than an alcoholic beverage to get drunk on. Mark? I would point out, though, that in the U.K., the price of alcohol has dropped 70 percent since 1980. And it's aggressive marketing by the supermarket chains using it as loss leaders. Uh, and so alcohol in, in Great Britain right now is just tr- is just really cheap. Very much how grocery stores are doing it in Indiana. Right. Mm-hmm. We allow sale of alcohol in Indiana below cost as a loss leader, which hurts small stores and benefits then the large stores who can uh, lure customers in to buy many other things. Kroger and Marshall selling alcohol below cost right now. Mm-hmm. For the Super Bowl weekend, probably. Yes, yeah. they are. All right. Let's go back to another phone call. It's Ann. Ann? Yes. Um, I, in a recent um, history about prohibition, um, the idea was brought up that that prohibition was due to getting, was anti-foreigner um, because there was a large number of foreigners coming in and drinking beer on, uh, in their beer gardens on Sunday. And um, uh, prohibition was a political attempt to get away from this behavior because these people might be suspicious. And since there were a lot of Germans in, in Indiana that had this beer garden um, uh, tradition, it, it took uh, a very strong toll on this cultural behavior of uh, being able to... Um, socialize in, in the way you, that, that you were used to, and it wasn't hurting anyone. Um, I just personally believe that, that um, when alcohol is um, imbibed in a, in a, in, in a cultural um, tradition, that it's just much safer. There are much more safeguards on it and the behavior um, we do, for some reason, now in the society, allow a kind of binge drinking in college students. And there could be all sorts of ways that you, you deal with this, but for some reason we can't offend the young, young students. And uh, you know, all the behavior that comes from that is very, very dangerous. All right. And thanks a lot for the call. I think, uh, you know, an entire show on alcohol issues involving college students is probably something we could <laughs> we could do annually so but uh it's a very good point anybody have any reaction to what she said well i would i would back her up uh, many of the uh, prohibition groups were anti-foreign anti-catholic uh organizations in fact uh, the know nothings was a party at the time because they were not uh, they were called the know nothings because they were not allowed to admit that they even belonged to this group uh, but the know-nothings took up the prohibition cause because because of a majority of the retail alcohol establishments were run by hated foreigners. Yeah. yeah. So that's got a real tr- proud yeah. tradition. Right. That came out of uh, World War One. We were fighting Germany, and so you had all the, the German people came over, brought their beer with them, and uh, – that was another factor. Right. And, we're, really, and we're kind of glad they did at this point. Yeah, uh, we're, we've had three waves of temperance movements in this country. The first started in the 1830s and that built to a peak and uh, the Civil War era really ended that. And then it built up again to uh, the 19-teens when Prohibition came out. And uh, then with this third wave really started in the 70s or 80s. And it's, very, and it's usually a health-conscious movement as well organic foods. Um, these things do tie together in society. I want to get back to business side of things. Uh, I grew up uh, right across from river from Louisville and I know a lot of people 
drive to Louisville and Kentucky to buy alcohol on Sundays. And uh, this is especially relevant because Indiana could stand to gain additional tax revenue from expanding sales. And uh, I think yesterday came out that Indiana missed revenue forecast for the 15th straight month. And the General Assembly won't even hear a bill that spends more of the state's money. So isn't there an argument to be made among legislators uh, that, you know, Indiana could stand to gain millions of dollars from additional tax revenue. Why aren't they jumping on that point and grabbing hold of it and saying uh, this is a compelling reason for expanding sales since the state needs the money? I think an argument can be made that we already get that business. Uh, I think the the border stores in Illinois, uh, Michigan, Ohio, they already they, – uh, the consumers that live in those states know we are closed on Sunday. They're coming over here six days a week anyway because our prices are lower. So we think we, there can argue be made that we already get that business. I, I want to follow up with that, I guess, about the prices being lower. Is that because our, are our taxes lower on alcohol than other states? That's correct. Okay. Well, some states have minimum markup as well, which I believe Ohio oh. does. And I think Michigan does as well. Well, Michigan's one case pricing, which drives their prices up as well. I want to explain that. What's one case pricing? There's no deal levels. Uh, it doesn't matter what quantity you buy. You're, no you're, volume discounts. Right. I see. Okay. And in Indiana, you do get volume discounts? You? Yeah. That's correct. I guess they so. have to be offered to all retailers at the same levels. And certainly, uh, small retailers sometimes have a hard time buying the largest quantity discounts. But then we allow them to form buying co-ops among several small retailers so they can take advantage of the deepest uh, volume discounts, but we do allow discount pricing in Indiana. Okay, uh, Mark, it, it seems that the legislators trying to legislators trying to squeeze as much money as it can out of every different area. So w- why aren't legislators jumping on the fact that Indiana could stand to gain millions of dollars in tax revenue? That, that, these are estimates I've seen in different articles. Why isn't that a compelling argument? Well, I don't think there's any way to put a, an exact figure on the amount of money, and so again, it becomes a public policy decision. Um, and, you know, I'll be quite honest with you. The, the package store industry in Indiana, there's about 1,000 package stores uh, open about every day. And they are a political force to be reckoned with. I mean, legislators have package stores in their legislative districts. And, and these store owners are very supportive of their communities. They're very supportive of, their, of the, of the uh, elected officials in their areas. They're involved, you know. And so when they, when they go to them and say, look, if you, if you throw open Sunday carryout, I'm going to lose money on Sunday. And it's a compelling argument. Um, and until the public demand for being able to carry out of Mr. Norris store on Sunday is louder than the concerns of the uh, package store industry, then we're going to be at a stalemate. And that's where we are. I mean, we're kind of at a stalemate. Uh, we're, not, we're not making a change today in that area. Um, and I, like I said earlier in the show, I think that's the next um, barrier to drop is Sunday carryout. When? I have no idea. Five years? Ten? I don't know. I want to ask again about the uh, about Indiana being a low-tax state when it comes to alcohol taxes. How, how does Indiana compare to our surrounding states? And um, are, would any of you support an increase in taxes on alcohol? We are cheap. We are lower. Uh, on our excise tax. I don't know what the rates are. Mm-hmm. Uh, another problem that Michigan has is that they have a 10 cent per container uh, uh, tax on the bottles and cans. Uh, so they start off at $22.40 a case higher than Indiana just on the deposit alone. Um, so between the taxes and deposits uh, in the other states, um, our prices are much lower. Every session, somebody files a bill to raise alcohol excise taxes. And for the last uh, 30 years, it hasn't passed. Um, it just doesn't raise enough money. The, I guess the beauty of it is, for those of us here at the table, our excise tax is so low that you could double it or triple it, and it wouldn't raise enough money to go through the aggravation. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we have about <clears throat> excuse me, three minutes to go. Jim, I wanted to ask you about um, – the sort of health of Indiana's wineries and what issues you see on the forefront for the wine industry? Well, there are, I think, now 47 wineries in Indiana. We opened up 
26 years ago that we were number seven at the time. So we're the fourth oldest in the state. But the uh, the wineries are doing well. What we've seen is their um, winery visits are up. Uh, people are doing more local day trips and people are consuming alcoholic beverages more at home and probably less in restaurants and such. So that this economic recession, we've actually seen some benefit to the wineries from that. So the industry overall is doing well. And the growth rate's probably uh, – we've been running at 15 percent per year for the industry. Wow. Okay. Daniel, do you have an email there? Oh, sure. We have an, uh, an email from uh, – looks like here from Charlie. He asks, has any city or county recently tried to limit uh, the amount of alcohol to go to an individual that can buy at any single transaction such as one quart of liquor or one six-pack of beer? If so, what were the results? So – We have what, limits. Yeah. Well, not in package stores. We don't. We Grocery, don't anymore. We used to. No, we don't anymore. Grocery stores are still – there are still limits, but package stores, it's unlimited. Mm-hmm. So in a grocery store, J- Javad, if I came into your store, could I not buy as much as I wanted? I honestly Well, I have, could buy as much as I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard of anything like that. Uh, Nobody has even told me. Mm-hmm. I assume that might be in some other states, but – I have not in heard Indiana, there are uh, limits on transactions in a grocery store. Um, yeah. They can only buy so many cases per transaction, and in a package store, it's unlimited. Mm-hmm. So what people did was they went outside and came back in, made a second transaction. <laughs> right. You right. just have to go well, to the yeah, car they, and come back. Right. <laughs> it's not complicated. No. Right. Okay. Anything else there, Daniel? No. We're, we're about no. out of time. We've got one minute. Well, that's uh, Charlie's question. They answered it. <laughs> I, would, I would tell Andy uh, that there are no dry counties in Indiana if that's uh, – because he asked that question, yeah. we don't we don't have any dry counties in Indiana. But there still are some in Kentucky. There are some oh, in Kentucky. There's, there's quite yeah. a few still in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the bootleggers in those counties like it that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. We are out of time. I, you know, we could talk about this. this. is a great great topic. I know there are a lot of people here who uh, who are interested in drinking alcohol in the state, whether it's wine, beer, or hard liquor, or whatever. So I want to thank all of our guests, Jim Butler, Brad Ryder. Uh, Javad Nouri and Mark Carmichael for being here with us today. Thank you to Daniel Robison for joining me. For producer Ariane Prothero and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.